You're listening to another episode of Down Goes Frazier. I'm your host, Jason Frazier. Alongside me is my co-host, Jeremy Johnson. How's it going, Jeremy? I am great, sir. How about yourself? Can't complain, can't complain. Just another great week of combat sports stuff all across the board. A lot of great stuff happening last night in the WWE NXT, also the Great American Bash. And I'm going to talk to you a little about being petty. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to talk about that today, too. Not you well, in general. We're not talking about you being petty. I was, but, nah, I, I, I was going to say, you. I am not a petty person whatsoever, Jason. <laughs> I mean, here I am. I am on the road for some secret MMA business, and I'm still here to do the show. I'm not asking for you know specific studios or anything like that, so I am not the petty one on this show. Now, I know you're doing some MMA business, but I know where you're at. I've been down there. I know there's all the places for birds. Yes. So are you on a side trip, too, because you can do all the bourbon trails? I mean, you know, I might have to make a stop, but I'm just saying, you know, whenever you're out doing MMA business, you, you got you to gotta stay with what you're doing. Because if not, you might get yourself in trouble, you know? Yeah, I know, but I was like, I know you're in a good part of the, the country where you can get some get some nice, uh, nice samplings going on right now. That's more of my speed. I know we live close to the Anheuser-Busch plant, and you can do sample beer, which is great. But you're like where the real good sampling is at, so I'm kind of jealous yeah. there. Well, I mean, maybe next time, you know, we'll we'll make sure that this MMA business brings both of us. That that would be great. I I would appreciate that. But Jeremy, I got to talk to you about something that I, that struck me as being petty this week. So I'm gonna have to fill you in on all these things. It's, it's a pro wrestling topic, so this is kind of oh weird. yeah. So, of course, I wouldn't know. So. So, if you're listening to this show, you're well aware by now, because it's Thursday morning, that Keith Lee is now um, the NXT champion, and uh, the NXT heavyweight champion, or world champion, whatever they call it, the NXT championship, and also NXT North American champion. First guy to have both belts. I'm a big fan of Keith Lee. I've always been. He's been a guest on this show before, back before he got to WWE. Um, when he was working for Evolve back in the day. And speaking of Evolve, we'll talk to we talked to Brandon Toll today, one of our guests. We're going to really close that Evolve chapter because Evolve shut down, man. And it's kind of sad because I, I spent a lot of Mania weekends when I was covering uh, Mania down there for Evolve. But back to this petty situation. You know, with coronavirus and COVID, a lot of places are taping their results. Um, NXT runs head-to-head with AEW. Uh, Chris Jericho, being one of the, the the main figures of AEW, shared a post last week on his Facebook page, and I thought it was petty. He shared a post because, unfortunately, one of the young NXT talents took a photo of Keith Lee holding up both titles and kind of spoiled the results. That made its way around the internet, and Chris Jericho shared that on his social media platforms knowing that he was going to be in the main event of AEW show on Wednesday night as well. So, I, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you rate how do you rate that of being petty, Jeremy Johnson? Yeah, I got to say that's kind of a dick move to do. I mean, I get it that you're you're kind of playing that role, but uh yeah, that's not cool. That's not cool at all, it's, especially for your fan base. Uh, yeah, and especially like you know, you're kind of crapping in a guy's moment, and there's there's precedent for it. And Jericho should have known better because, kind of the pro wrestling history lesson, in 1998 or 99 when WWE was going head to head with WCW, where Chris Jericho was at the time, 
uh, WWE used to tape the results. They used to do tapings two or three weeks at a time. And Mick Foley was going to win the world title. Eric Bischoff thought it'd be funny to tell Tony Schiavone at the beginning of the WC Nitro to spoil the result. You know what happened? Everybody changed the channel. So you would think, we don't want to have that same effect happen this time. But it happened. And I know there's a lot of talk of Jericho not running his own website or socials, but I I don't buy all that. No, it, it, those kind of guys, I mean, yes, they probably have a group, and I'm sure that the, the organization helps out into running theirs, but you know they're involved, and you know that that's, he's just playing it up. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. That is kind of a kind of a jerk move. Yeah, kind of. Jack can be the golden pro wrestling all he wants, but that was a petty move. But also, congrats to Keith Lee. Big moment for him, and that was a good thing to watch last night if you were watching Pro Wrestling All in general, AEW had a great show too, even though they were being Jericho was being petty. AEW show was great, including his match with Orange Cassidy. But there's a lot of big stuff coming up this weekend. You know, you got UFC two fifty one on Fight Island. It's Mortal Kombat time, Jeremy Johnson. You know what it is? It's back to nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and three for Bodog fights where we fought on the beaches of Costa Rica. That's what I'm talking about. And if it's one of your favorites there, Jorge Masvidal stepping in like a champ against Kamar Usman here. Yeah, he's stepping in, but I think he's stepping in for a beating. Well, okay, but now, do you feel, though, that Ben Askren came out this week and he said that, of course, Masvidal's there to lose. He knows it, but he's also probably negotiated in a huge payday and the ability for an immediate rematch do you think that that kind of back-ended stuff has happened? I mean, I do because I've seen some of it. But uh, do you think that's what's going on here? I think so. I think that's what's going on here, too. The only reason I'm saying Masvidal is going to lose, let me put the let me phrase this for people who are like, man, how are you just calling out or how are you just putting Jorge down? If Usman is a f- smart man, this is going to be wrestling 101. We're going to wrestle. Because I'm not going to stand up and trade with a guy on short notice. That's really Masvidal's main way he's going to be able to win this fight. If it's going to be a stand-up slugfest. And you've seen him in those fights. Hell, we've been able to see him in those fights when he was in Kimball Slice's backyard. We're not. That's not a smart idea in this situation. Just go ahead and get him. I understand this is probably going to be not going to be uh, uh exciting thing to say for fight fans or some fight fans. But I think this is going to be, we're going to be in the ground a lot here to, uh, on Saturday. I agree. I think that this is definitely going to be, um, it's not going to be the, the Masvidal that everybody's used to at the moment. You know, Jorge has been one of those kind of guys who he is the big swinger now. He is the one who's throwing all the punches. He's out there. He is the, the, the BMF champion. I still hate that more than anything. Um, but people don't realize Masvidal's had a lot of losses in his career, but nobody cares because he's that guy right now. Mm-hmm. So it should be fun to see how it plays out. And then you also got to look at, you know, I saw a quote from Masvidal talking about if he wins, he wants to get his loss back against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So you got to think that Wonderboy is like, please, Masvidal, pull this off because, you know, he kind of, his shot, his two fights against Willie kind of put him out of the title picture after that. So this would be an easy way for him to get back in if Masvidal can somehow find a way to beat Usman here and then probably win that eventual rematch too. 
what is it, what does Masvidal have to do? Because I mean, let's face it, Usman is a monster. I, I think you're gonna. The thing is, the ego is gonna have to get a hold of Usman. I think of being like, hey, I want to, I want to try to knock Masvidal out. I want to keep this on the feet, and I think. Usman's a little bit more calculated and smart than that. Smarter than that, he knows that title. You know, once you lose that belt, you lose some cachet. So if he can get out of here, out of Fight Island, with the title in hand, then I think he's like, hey, maybe next time we can have this one of these thrilling classics. But right now, I just need to win this fight. Yeah, this is one of those kind of fights here that we have to see Masvidal come in and take control quickly. Um, we aren't going to see Usman want to play around with this because of the change in opponents that always we hear guys talking about how when you change opponents, it changes how you prep. But I think Usman is just a different type of fighter, so we're going to see how that one works out. Definitely see how it works out. And I'm looking forward to that fight, but I'm also looking forward today, Jeremy, to talking to our two guests on the show. We have Kel Dansby from ESPN Ringside and Brandon Toll from Impact Wrestling going to join us here and talk about all things they got coming up here with, you know, with more great boxing fights in the way. With also Impact Wrestling and Sam Slammiversary in the way. So we'll talk to them here next on Down Goes Frazier. You're here on Down Goes Frazier, still rocking with us today. And, you know, we, we, me and Jeremy have been doing this for quite a while. We have some of our favorite guests and kind of visiting us in these first new episodes in a new platform. And one of those guests comes to us from ESPN Ringside and also the Corner Podcast. I, I can actually say I was a fan of the man before he started joining our show because I used to listen to the Corner Podcast all the time and start he started coming on and sharing his content and his, 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 his takes. And that is Kel Dansby. Kel, it's a pleasure having you on the show today. Man, thanks for having me. It's always great, you know, to be able to sit down and talk with you, you know, talk combat sports and then, you know, life in general. So it's cool to come on and, you know, chop it up with you whenever you have the opportunity of having me on. You know, you guys are busy. You're busy then. It's a great show. So uh, it's definitely my honor whenever I can come on. And you know, well, kind we're of- super stoked to have you. And, but Cal, for, so like I said, we, we're moved into this new audience now. We, you know, we're, we're, basically kind of recovering from all together. So for the fans out there who are new and they haven't, uh, they haven't got to hear you yet with us, tell them a bit about yourself and kind of what got you involved in combat sports. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's been a long journey now. So it's been about eight, nine years since I decided to go into journalism itself. I was going to school for nursing and then decided not to do that anymore and decided that I was just going to sit at home in my boxers and watch TV all day. So I did that for a couple of months. And then, you know, I was watching ESPN and sports center every day. And I looked up and I was like, you know what? I think people get paid to do that. And then I was like, you know, they do get paid to do that. I was like, I'm going to get paid to do that. And then fast forward nine years, ESPN has cut me the check. So um, that's, you know, sounds very simple when I put it that way, but it was definitely a longer journey than that. And, you know, I worked at black sports online for five years. And then I went into the news aspect of things and worked at CBS and ABC news stations in Las Vegas, covering, uh, sports there and combat sports, boxing, MMA. I was living in Vegas the majority of those nine years. So that's how I fell into combat sports specifically because a lot of the big fights are in Vegas. It was a natural transition. And then the past 
let's say eight months, almost a year here. I've been at ESPN, helped start the ESPN ringside platform. That is what I work on daily. It's on a Twitter page and an Instagram page bringing you anything you need to know about boxing. So it's really cool. I try to run it like a lifestyle page more than like the uppity, just breaking news style page. So I try to have some fun with it and just show the character of these boxers, show some of their day-to-day lives, show them training and bring just a different fun atmosphere to, if we're being honest, an old man sport, right? Like for so long, Mm -hmm. boxing, especially compared to MMA, was the sweet science. It To me, it's like baseball compared to the NBA. Sometimes they get lost and they're so uppity and crotchety and it's just like, you know what? No, we can have fun with this too. So trying to bring it to a new audience, trying to relate boxing. And so many of us have fond memories of boxing and growing up and watching the greats or going back and watching fights when they're on. I want to have that same nostalgia for this generation, for my generation. I want to be one of those voices people remember in 40 years for making this relatable. So this is the first step with that. And it's, it's been a long road in combat sports, but I've had fun throughout and it, it's great. I, I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Now, cause you mentioned something about, you know, boxing kind of being, you know, sometimes regards the old man sports, especially when you look in combat sports, do you feel like the reason maybe boxing now is kind of at this kind of seeing another peak, another resurgence, but it's a lot due to the personalities. You feel like now it's kind of due to, you know, you're seeing the Tyson Furies of the world who are more colorful, you know, um, Wilder, Deontay Wilder is more colorful. Even, you know, we'll, I definitely will ask you a lot more about this, but, you know, Mike Tyson resurgence now, you know, everybody's familiar with it. You feel like boxing kind of seen a resurgence because of that, or is it maybe because I always say that when the big guys are rolling, the heavyweights are rolling, that means the business is healthy. I think that heavyweights have helped. I mean, we had the days of Lennox Lewis, and he was going against Klitschko towards the end, and that was pretty big. You know, Tyson was still around, even though he wasn't prime Tyson. He was losing to Mm. the Holyfields and the um, Lewises of that time. But now I, I think the difference is, and this goes across any sport, but I think boxing is starting to realize this, is you have to bring your content to whatever platform is the biggest of that era and that's just that's just the truth like if you don't evolve in terms of journalism in terms of telling stories in terms of having a brand um, in terms of being a league a sports league or a collection of promoters like boxing is if you don't evolve with the times your sport is going to struggle so there was a large medium of time and, and we saw it probably between the late nineties and maybe four or five years ago where boxing held, held on dearly to this idea that you had to be a newspaper guy to write about, right? Like you, you had to mm-hmm. be just you no know, articles. You interview this guy, this boxing match on this day, all this, and it's newspaper format. And it stuck for so long, even you know, some of the greats who are still writing, Kevin Ioli, uh, Dan Raphael, who just left ESPN, but he's still writing. You, you have these guys out there who are great and they're amazing writers and they still do their stuff on online platforms, but that's not enough. My kids don't check websites. They don't. Mm-hmm. The next generation doesn't. They barely watch television. And you're selling pay-per-view models. Right. And it's just like, that's not, not wrong with that. It's just, you have to adjust 
to get your sport seen. And people still like knockouts. They still like loudmouths. They still like back and forth, you know, uh, beefs going back and forth. But how do they see this? And I think, and I give credit where credit is due. We saw a, a, a surge of these YouTube guys covering boxing. Ellie Setback is great at what he does. Mm-hmm. We've seen several other channels. Marcos uh, Villegas comes to mind as well. We've seen these guys bring boxing to a platform in YouTube and uh, some other people to Instagram and Twitter, and it's in your hand. So now people start connecting. Ryan Garcia has 6 million followers on Instagram. Tyson Fury has over a million. These things correlate. Tyson Fury could have talked like this 10 years ago. No one would have ever known. But now you have Twitter, you have Instagram, you have these platforms, YouTube, for people to find it. They don't have to watch television. You know, writers don't have to transcribe it and have it in print. It goes so much further. And they finally gave in. But it took like this renegade group of you know, of bloggers and journalists or people who don't even care about writing. So we're just doing interviews, put it on YouTube. To so really do you feel help that, that was, so, so do you feel then that that was kind of why MMA, the UFC, all of these younger, you know, the younger sport, as, as they call it, um, took over with a different fan base because they were the ones who were out in front of the fans constant. You know, the UFC did their uh, teaching, it was giving out Twitter bonuses and things in the beginning. You know, was that part of it that made the jump? Easily. You look, who's the biggest name in just journalism and MMA? Ariel Hawani. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, he's at ESPN. But Ariel's a rock star in his own right in the MMA community. Ariel started a podcast a decade ago for MMA. He was writing for websites, not, you know, not major websites at the time. He wasn't at Yahoo. He wasn't at all these stuff. These things were started from the ground up. They were started as de facto message boards, which were hot. ShareDog and all these things were message boards that ended up becoming a platform, a blog, and then became a registered site, bought their domains, and then MMA Junkie, all, this, all these things started in the same way. MMA fighting, where Ariel's from, they started from the ground up. They had podcasts. They had YouTube interviews. They started the right way, and that's why those guys are on top, and they're young. A lot of those voices are young, and they're the biggest people covering the sport. And the athletes did the same. So the Chuck Liddells, the Rampages, all all those guys funneled out. And this whole new generation, all this is built on going viral. Conor McGregor is great. But what he was built on is the ability to go viral. And he had a million people following him before they ever saw a full fight. They just saw him talking trash. And I almost say kind of you look at, you know, the fight this weekend and, you know, you talk about the ability to go viral and you look at Jorge Masvidal. You know, this guy has been around for years, has been, you know, he he's, is talking, you know, he's been able to talk talk a good game. He comes back from the Kimbo Slice background. 
a lot of people are familiar with him, but now, you know, the the knee, the flying knee knockout of Ben Askren and other things, you know, kind of that whole gangster mentality, you know, the, the three-piece in the soda. You know, all those things now with the ability, like if you, even if you don't follow MMA, like you kind of point to that ability to go viral, has kind of propelled him into a whole new stratosphere. And you would think he's like the new kid in the block, but this he's been around for a minute. 13 losses. No one cares. His whole following, the people who want to watch him fight, The Rock giving him the belt and, and saying how great he is being from Miami, no one has seen him lose. Because when he went viral, he's only one. So those 13 losses might as well be zero. People don't care. It's when you're hot, you're hot, and you better strike when you're hot. And that made him one of the top three stars in the UFC. Jorge Masvidal, the wonder boy, just beat him three years ago. And no one cares. No one cares at all. He's what's hot right now. Conor McGregor the same. People are like, oh, he lost to Habib. So what? No one cares. The guy's still the biggest star in the sport when he wants to fight. So you have to pay him like it. I wish boxing would get back to that model. Who cares about losses? You fight the best. You talk the talk. If you're entertaining, you get paid the most. And that's it. Wins and losses, like, ugh, it bothers me. It's the Floyd Mayweather effect. He was undefeated, so now everyone has to be undefeated. Why? It makes no sense. That's not how boxing is. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you, people said, oh, is Deontay Wilder going to be able to bounce back? And I'm like, dude has one loss. I think he'll be all right. You know, he'll figure it out, put some things, put some work in there, change the game plan around, but I think he'll be okay. Yeah, people act like Ali didn't lose. The first time when he fought, um, not Foreman, but when he fought. The namesake of this Ali show, fought? Kel. Down goes Frazier. No, Frazier. <laughs> Darn right. Oh, I don't know why it's fast. Um, but, yeah, no, when he fought Frazier, he lost the first time. No one cares. No one cares. He came back and won twice. Right? Like, he, people act like Deontay Wilder, if he comes out in December and knocks out Fury in the third round, like he won't be the hottest thing in boxing. Everyone acts like they weren't just picking Wilder to win. Fury was picked by like two people. So it's crazy. That's, you know, the microwave culture we're in. But wins and losses don't hurt that much. It's what do you do now and can you go viral with that? Deontay Wilder's right hand will always keep him in the picture because he can always go viral. Because he can always put someone's face in the third row. Fury included, he got up like the Undertaker. That first fight, don't know how he absorbed that punch. If Wilder comes in that shape, not as heavy, making sure he doesn't wear, you know, some article of clothing that weighs 60 pounds, maybe we see something like the first fight and anything can happen. So you you look at that and everything can change. People lose. Heavyweight boxing, people lose. You put that you put together a top five list of the best boxers of all time. Mayweather's not on it. Yet he's undefeated. You add up the losses of the top five greatest boxers of all time, you put them whatever order you want, you'll find like 15 losses combined because it doesn't matter. It's what you do at the biggest platforms. That's Kel Dansby from ESPN Ringside. And Kel, like, I, I, I like how we can, kind of go back, we can kind of go back and cover the full gone with you of all the, all the combat sports, whether it's MMA, boxing, pro wrestling, and kind of going, you know, keeping in the boxing route. And you're looking at this year, and we talk about the resurgence of boxing. There's some big fights 
in the cards. Which one are you, you know, according if the pandemic cooperates? There are some big fights in the cards. But what what, what is the one you're kind of that kind of stands out for you that you're like anxious to be there covering and be a part of the atmosphere? Man, um, I'm looking forward to covering and being in the atmosphere of any fight at this point. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> no, but uh, there's some really big fights. I really like the young guys at 135, the lightweight division. So whether it's Lomachenko, Teofimo, which I think is going to be an amazing fight that can go either way, that one I can't wait for should be in September. Or looking down the road, you know, Ryan Garcia is another guy like I really think he's good. Was he as good as, you know, Devin Haney or Javante Davis three years ago? And the kid's only 21. They're all like 21, 22, 23. Um, was he as good as them three years ago? No. But being with Canelo's team, Eddie Reynoso, Canelo's trainer, he's grown the most out of any of those young kids. So I think he could go to the next. I want to see him versus a Javante Davis maybe in December, him versus a Devin Haney in December. One of those guys fight each other. That's going to be great. And there's a ton of other names at 135. There's, you know, a guy like Shakur Stevenson who's moving up to 130. Who could be up to 135 and a hot skip and a jump for one of those fights? There's so many great young fighters. I can just go on and on. Boots Enos, I can't wait to see him fight again. People aren't talking about him. I think if Terrence Crawford, let's say Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence fight in the next year, that's great. They're 32, 33 years old. Whoever wins, if they're the unified champion or they unify the belts at 147, they'll have those belts maybe for a year and a half. Because after that, Boots Enos is beating whoever, whichever one of them. Because that kid's 21, 22. By the time he's 26, he's beating Crawford and Errol Spence. He's that good at 147, and people don't know it yet. So you look at that, and you just have this huge wave of guys. And, you know, credit to the Pacquiao's, to the Floyd Mayweather's. They did something in boxing that they won't get credit for maybe for another 40 years, 50 years. And it's beyond wins or losses. They showed you can be a star and make crazy amounts of money and not be a heavyweight, not be a light heavyweight, not even be a middleweight. Because before you had to be those things. They showed you can make more money or that level of money weighing 140, 147. And a lot of these kids, a lot of these kids are like, yo, I, you look at Sean Porter. I would love to play football, but I'm 5'8", 180. <laughs> what, what am I doing? Am I going to the NFL? I would love to play basketball, but who am I? Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. Bud Webb? I'm never making it to that level. But what can I do? Oh, I'm 5'6", 5'7", 160 pounds. I can cut 13 pounds and be a 147-pound boxer. And make Floyd money. I can make that style of money. I can make Pacquiao style money. So a lot of these kids who are great athletes who would maybe have been playing basketball and be the undersized point guard, you know, from the sixth grade, thinking they're going pro and they end up five, nine in the 12th grade and went nowhere. Instead, a lot of these guys are saying, you know what? I'm athletic. I got hands. We fight all the time. I'm going to be a boxer. So we see champions at 20 years old, 21 years old, straight out of the Olympics, winning belts, not taking 40 fights before you get tested. Theofimo went 12 fights. He is a major world champion, about to be unified if he can win his next one in his 13th fight. Shakur in 10 fights has a major belt. 
So you look at this and, and they showed those two specifically showed you can be small, make money and be a star. And I think we're going to see a lot of those undersized kids that are athletic, talented. They just don't have the measurables for these other leagues. So, you know what? I'm going to go into boxing because this is where I can use that athleticism and shine. And, and I think this is that first wave after, and it's just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And, and, and you know, do you kind of contribute that to, you know, you talked about football and we know how the difficulty with concussions, but you people are like, well, combat sports, is there really much of a difference? But do you kind of feel like, what I'm going to say, you see, I know you, we've seen, I know over the last year we've seen deaths in the boxing ring, but do you feel like you see here less about when it comes to, uh, concussion protocol and things like that and some of those safeties that then when you hear about it in football or things like that that can have them long term the long term effects I mean it's tough because every sport now has those concerns right mm-hmm. um, if you look at statistically the most dangerous sport for athletes 14 to 18 I believe is cheerleading like, so it's, it's a lot to do with optics. More cheerleaders get concussions than football players. It's wild. So you, you look at these things and it's like, yeah, boxing looks very violent, but it's such a controlled sport in the gym. You go every day, but you hit the bag, you hit the mitts. When you do spar once, maybe twice a week, then you have the headgear on. It's very controlled. You go out there, you really get punched in the face three times a year, four times a year. And you look at football where every day you have to put on a helmet. Every day you, well, back in the day, you had to do Oklahoma drills. But, like, Mm -hmm. every day now you're going to get some form of contact. You could hit your head and get a concussion. Every week you have a game for 17 weeks, let alone scrimmages in the fall and spring now. And you you look at this and you're taking head-to-head contact a lot. In boxing, you're taking real contact three, four times a year. So the trade-off in boxing, I think, I would say is maybe even a little safer. MMA, MMA the same. Because when you really go, when you really go hard, and you can really take damage, you're taking about 36 minutes of damage, 25 in MMA, max, three times a year, four times a year. And you say, hmm, okay, football games are like two hours long. Or you get, what, 15-minute 15 quarter, so an hour worth of damage every week for 17 straight weeks, or I can take 36 minutes of damage three times a year. That's a total of an hour and a half. That's a football game and a half worth of damage. If they can hit me. Okay. I'll take the trade off. So I I think we're going to see, you know, these combat sports as as people grow, as the stats show that yes, there, there are ways to do it, to do it safely if not the same training methods we saw in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, you can do this, you can do it safely. And another credit to Floyd Mayweather, show that you can make a lot of money without being hit. Like, yes, Slugfest are great. You know, Hagler Hearns is amazing. But also, you can make a billion dollars by hitting people and not being hit. So it's a pretty good trade-off. Will everyone be Mayweather? No. But Adrian Broner's pretty cushy. For a second, before he went off the deep end, he was making three million a fight. <laughs> Everyone could be Adrian Broner, so yes. Yeah, you, know, you said Adrian Broner, and you talk about the pay scale. You know, that's one thing I want to get to. You know, when you look at the boxing pay scale, 
and you look at what's going on right now, you know, you hear a lot of guys like Conor McGregor saying, hey, I'm retired. Masvidal was, you know, having his issues. A lot of guys in the MMA circle are kind of getting frustrated with the pay there. And, and and you can tell why when I'm looking at, you know, you know, you're looking at boxers and what they're getting paid in that same realm, you know, same combat sports realm compared to what some of the top guys in MMA compared to guys who are maybe second on the card on, the, you know, getting paid in boxing. It's kind of like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, it, it's tough. MMA people should be paid more. And I think it takes, you know, that lead dog to go run out the money, stretch it out a little more. Um, like Masvidal is going to get paid for this fight. You look at people seven in short notice getting big money or bigger money than what was conceivable five years ago. You know, Conor McGregor was that lead dog. You see Conor McGregor making all this money. Okay, so you guys have the money to pay him. So when he retires, and theoretically, I don't know the exact numbers, um, but theoretically, Conor said he made like $40 million off his last UFC fight when he just came back against Cowboy. Okay, you paid Connor $40 million for one night. I understand how much pay-per-views he drives. But you have 11 other pay-per-views this year. So if the 11 other pay-per-views make as many pay-per-view buys as that one McGregor fight, theoretically, you should have that $40 million to spread out over the other 11 fights. Correct? Mm-hmm. I, I would say that's simple math. So say if there's even 10, he made 40. So you got $4 million dollars per event to split with the main event people because that's what you gave to connor so okay if i'm the champion i should make 2.5 the challenger should make 1.5 and that's your four million dollars for this event and you do that for every event and all 10 will cost as much as you paid the one main event guy that first pay-per-view of the year you can't tell me you don't got it so at worst Champions should be making 2.5. Challengers should be making 1.5. And together, we're only all, every other champion in this company is making as much as Conor McGregor, who doesn't have a belt. Fair is fair. Let's start there, and then let's grow. <laughs> and that's what they should say, but they don't have a union. They, they, they don't have the ability, even though they're independent contractors, to go elsewhere and work and compete. They're not running to Bellator to make it true competition, even though for a second it looked like it was going to be, but it isn't. So... UFC is in the power position. It wants to be treated like a league, though. In, in some regard, the fighters have to treat it like a league then. I can't go get my own sponsors. You want me to wear a uniform? You want to have uh, a contract with ESPN to show it like baseball does, like NFL does? You want to do all these things and be taken seriously as a league? Then we have to unionize and treat you as a league. And we can't take 12% of revenue because the smallest revenue split, I think, in all the other major sports who are the UFC are trying to emulate have, I think, 45, 55, and that's hockey. Mm. And you go to the other sports, 47, 48. NBA players might be up 51, 49. Something <laughs> stupid in the NBA. Oh, yeah. So 12% versus 88 is ridiculous. But it takes all the fight. Don't retire. Why? And that's my only gripe. People do whatever they want in their careers. John Jones staying away for three years, that's fine. What does, who does that help besides you? And then how does that help you? Why would you stay away? Why not say, join me and we will unionize. Lead something. Don't hide and hope that you are just taken care of. Lead something. Hmm. So now you have John Jones, you have Masvidal who said it, you have 
Triple C who retired because of it and every other day he's teasing he'll fight someone else if the money is right. Connor is in, in his fifth retirement probably because he can't get the money he wants right now or they won't pair him with who he wants, should I say. The money will be there for Connor, but yeah. they're not pairing him with who he wants. So you, you look at all of this and you say, you know what? Us top five guys are fed up. You guys want to be us top five one day? Stand with us now. So when you get to where we are, you don't have to worry about this. Let's unionize now. And guess what? They don't have anyone else to pick from. The UFC can't get scabs. Bellator's still a company. All the second-tier fighters are under contract. One is a company. All those guys are under contract. You can't get scabs to fulfill a contract that the UFC has to fulfill with ESPN now. Could you unionize when UFC was doing all the pay-per-views themselves and housing everything? Probably not, because the UFC, if they lost money, that was on them. They now have a partnership they have to honor. They have to fulfill the ESPN contract. So if we don't fight, they are in trouble. So if you want to unionize, we unionize now and say we're not doing another ESPN card at all until we are all unionized and compensated and we get a revenue split. And I'm telling you, the fighters have more power than they will ever notice. But instead of these top guys saying that, they say, I'm sitting out until you pay me. And that is what's bad for the sport. And kind of using it, you know, the comparison to compare to use it to another sport, usually what happened in the NFL recently when, when, you know, for the longest time the NFL was on this, oh, you know, if you kneel during this and don't do this, we're going to, you know, kind of frown upon it. But as soon as Pat Mahomes is like, uh-oh, Super Bowl MVP, best player in the league, we got to kind of follow suit. So you, you like what you're saying, if the MMA guys like John Jones, Conor McGregor get together and stick to their guns and say, hey, we're going to be the forefront of this union, UFC doesn't really have a lot to, you know, go and go. Those are the big pay-per-view stars. Those are the guys who drive the numbers. You have some great fighters up and coming that, you know, you and I know about and follow and the hardcore fans know about. Maybe a little bit some of the casual fans know about, but those are the guys that drive the needle. No, definitely. I mean, again, you you have to realize, are you an independent contractor fighting for your own purse, this prize fighting, or is this a league? And you can't half-step. Ain't no half-step. You're one or the other. And right now, the UFC, I'm like, boxing is half-stepping. Boxing is still prize fighting. You know, boxing is the bigger the name, the more money. And so on and so forth. And you can negotiate that in pretty much an open market. So we see Patrick Mahomes getting $500 million the other day, and people are making all these lists. You know who's number two on all of those lists? Canelo Alvarez. Because mm-hmm. he sent like a 10-fight deal for $35 million each. And by the way, that's not 10 years. That's 10 fights. He could do that in five years, make 350 and then re-up because Canelo's only like 30 years old. Not even. I think he's like 28. Something stupid. Man, so you, you look at something like that, like Patrick Mahomes' deal is great, but it ain't nothing compared to Canelo. It ain't nothing compared to boxing money. 500 mil, you're like, wow, he's going to make 500 mil over 12 years. That's crazy. Until you realize that Floyd Mayweather for fighting Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor for a total of 72 minutes made over $500 million for 72 minutes, not including his other fights. 
the wisdom there from Kel Dansby. Like I said, that, you know, kind of put in perspective the boxing, a lot of things going on in boxing, MMA, and I always trust his wisdom, except for when it comes to one thing. is a, a recurring thing on this show and on Twitter, and it also goes with his buddy and his co-host for the Corner Podcast, Andreas Hill. And that is, uh, I got some good news earlier this week, Kel. I want to tell you what my good news was real quick. Um, Whataburger is expanding to Missouri. I'm excited about this. I, am I don't amped know why about you're this. about this. And see, that's why I said I trust his wisdom with everything else until we talked <laughs> about burger joints. Because I don't get – I was down in Texas recently, had that double meat, double cheese. It was like heaven. I'm sitting there eating it the whole time. I'm like, I don't get it. What What is the, what is the problem? Hot take alert. Wendy's has better burgers oh, than Oh, no. Burger. I almost fell if my you chair. Go premium, <laughs> premium meal Wendy's, not dollar menu. You go like Wendy's double cheeseburgers, a big choice is like eight dollars for the meal. Wendy's got better burgers than Whataburger. Wendy's oh. might be better overall. Oh my god, <laughs> that's how overrated oh. Whataburger is. That's that's hottest of hot takes. I almost fell out this I, recording I chair. I leaned why. back and realized I was 300 pounds and almost broke the chair because I could eat too much Whataburger. I was like, what? Oh, no, man. I, I, I was... Blasphemy. Someone told me to get gravy. Dip your fries in gravy. What am I eating gravy for? It's now, a fast food place. Now, I, now I'm not going to do that. Now, I agree with you on that one. But Whataburger for the, the, the price, the quality of patty, I don't know how it's not up there pound for pound is the number one burger. I don't get it. Well, you got to quantify get. it by saying the price. It's, it's already downhill <laughs> like that. Because you'd be like, yo, you know what? For the price of the steak, Sizzler is delicious. But I'm like, yeah, but we're talking Delmonico's. Like, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're talking these prime steakhouses. You talking Sizzler. Like, yes, for the price, it might be worthy. <laughs> But we're talking overall quality. Like, come on. It, it's not Smash Burger. It's not Five Guys. It's not even in and out Like, for a regional burger joint, like, yeah. If, if that was across the street from White Castle where you are, I'm going to White Castle. Like, why oh, would I ever go to Water? That'd be like, difficult. What? That'd be difficult choices out here in these streets. If there's a White Castle and Whataburger <laughs> in the same block like that. I mean, for me right now, it'd be Whataburger because I only get it ever so often. Like White Castle, I can drive three minutes from my house. And there's a White Castle there, so that is. Yeah, about, so you got a problem with White Castle too? I love White Castle. That's okay. what I'm saying. No, I love White Castle. Okay. From New York, when I lived in Kansas City, I used to drive up to St. Louis just for White Castle. You just make the, the hike for White Castle? Just for White Castle, man. Ain't nothing else in St. Louis. No disrespect. The White Castle is what brought me. <laughs> Hey, hey I, I'm over here struggling because when you're like, I mean, he's in New York. He's been, he's been in New York. He's been in Vegas. I'm like, yeah. When you compare to them cities, you ain't really, we ain't really moving too much of the needle down here in St. Louis with a lot of the things we have going on. We got a new aquarium though. The people are very nice. People are yeah. very nice. I enjoy the people. I rather if I go to St. Louis, I'm going for a cookout. I'm going. I want to chill with the people. I want to chill in the hood. I want to. I want to have fun. I ain't going nowhere specific in St. Louis. I go to St. Louis, I'm going for the people. And I'm really not going for the barbecue. I lived in Kansas City. I can't eat barbecue up there. It's not even, it's not even good. 
Oh my God! People on this show, he was giving you all the great. I mean, let me let me let me clear this up. He was giving you all the great, the gospel truth about everything that was boxing and MMA, and then he started talking about food and tried to say Kansas City barbecue is better than St. Louis. Discredited Whataburger. I don't know what happened in this. We we went off the rails now. We went. We Come went on, too you gotta, far. You got to be truthful though. Kansas I, City's way better than St. Louis for barbecue. I am being like, truthful. I understand you live there. You got to go home. Like you got friends. You got family. <laughs> you can't disrespect it. I get it. I get it. You just tell. Listen, this podcast, this show, this every you come on my podcast, Twitter. I understand, but on your show, this is this right here. This is a safe space. This is the trust tree. You can be honest. Kansas City Barbecue is way better. Gates, Jack Stack, come on. You know it. Hey, now you see, this is where you started off wrong because you said <laughs> Gates. And I, and listen, I like Gates. But somebody tried to tell me my first time in Kansas City that Gates was like, this is the best barbecue you will ever taste in your life. No, and I walked no. out of that. They overhyped it. See, that's the problem. Yeah. They hyped it. The sauce. They, yeah. They I hyped it. And I was pissed. To other places, like Jack Stack, there's a. Uh, Oh, I forgot the other joint. The other joint is delicious too. Like there's, there's like three of them, four of them. Q fifty seven or something like that. I knew it was that. really. Yeah, that I was know, dope. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Here got we got we, we got Pappies. We got Sugar Fire. There's there's award winning barbecue all over this city. So I'm saying like St. Louis. And even the surrounding St. Louis, the metro area of St. Louis, you can find a good barbecue joint no matter where you are in 10 minutes. Kansas City, I can't do I'm going to give it another try. Next time I'm in the city, I'm going to hit you up. We'll go, we'll go to one or two places, and I'll, I'll be objective about it. But so far, what I've seen when I was up there, I'm you better were, off eating Whataburger. Where, where'd you go? Do you remember where you went? Curious I don't now. even remember the names. I went uh-huh. up there for like a, a semi-pro football game. And they were like, yo, uh, and then it was like an overnight one. So we went, had barbecue one day on the way back. I got, uh, of course, White Castle, but we had barbecue when we got there, had barbecue later that night because full disclosure, they were like, yo, there's a nice establishment with it, which is clothing optional for the employees across on the Illinois side over here. So I was like, well, See? let's partake. So we went to that establishment, and there was, like, barbecue around. See, like, now you, you brought it up, so I got to discredit. This is how I'm going to discredit all of your food stuff right here. Right here, because I'm a fan of the Corner Podcast. I listened to this discussion, <laughs> and I have never got a chance to talk to you about it, I think, since you had the discussion. What's your drink of choice in the strip club, Kel Dansby? I order a fresh glass, very cold, preferably, of milk on the rocks. If they have it, I would get chocolate cake with it. Is it necessary? No, it is not necessary. But if it is on the menu, I'll get a chocolate cake, a slice, and a glass of milk on the rocks. No, don't bring me just milk. Milk on the rocks. Thank you. That is how I order it. So it is I'm, delicious. Have you tried it? I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm not gonna even <laughs> I'm not gonna even continue of I'm just of saying say- I'm just saying. What's this Kenny Omega drink on AEW? He drinks milk at the bar. He is the best bout machine, the best wrestler in the world. As long as he agrees with me, I'm okay. Milk on the rocks at the strip club. Milk Just on the rocks. Let, let that yeah. simmer. And-
And then remember, whenever you're trying to take barbecue choices, keep that in the back of your mind who's telling you about barbecue or burger choices. Keep that fresh. If you're That's listening fair. to me or him on this one. Now, when it comes to all the other stuff, when it comes to boxing MMA, you usually take his word for it. It's always a pleasure having you in the show, Kill. <laughs> I always appreciate it. Anytime you guys need me, I am here. It is great. Um, this weekend, UFC 251, Fight Island. Hopefully everyone enjoys that. And uh, Kamara Usman's going to win by knockout. All right. That's it. I feel yeah. like I'm good. <laughs> you, you're good there. I, I'm I'm right along with your opinion on that one too. I'm thinking, I'm thinking this fight goes to Usman. I haven't decided which which way he wins yet, but I think that's what I'm looking at. Almost now, do you think it may be smart for him, considering kind of the the wrestling edge, or maybe in that degree of maybe not on a short notice fight, maybe going to that side of his game compared to trying to stand up and trade with Masvidal? Because I think that's the only way Jorge wins. No, easily. Um, I, it's hard to stop Usman. Actually, in all fairness, it's hard to stop Jorge Masvidal, right? Like, he lost a ton of fights. A lot of them were split decisions. Could have mm-hmm. went the other way in a lot of those fights. So, I mean, he's a very tough guy. What you have to do is the same way Habib stopped Conor McGregor, which is you put him on the ground and you make it miserable. Mm-hmm. The only way to stop a guy like Jorge Masvidal is when the fight isn't fun. If you stand and trade and you, you shake him up a bit and he drops and then he can grab and you get back up and you're trading, he'll do that for 15 rounds. He did that in Kimball Slice's backyard, like you mentioned earlier. What you have to do is make it boring and make it just to a point where he's miserable. Like Ray Leonard did to Roberto Duran. No Moss wasn't because Roberto Duran couldn't take any more shots. He loves taking shots. It's because he couldn't land punches. It wasn't fun. That's what you have to do for Jorge Masvidal. You have to have him cursing at you. You have to have him upset, telling you to get up, be a real man, to fight him like a real man, and then you got to put him down again. And you got to lay on top of him. You got to slap him around, throw elbows, make sure he's not get up. You got to treat him like a child, and his spirit will break because it's just not a fun fight. And he'll say, you know what? I'll try again next time, and then you get him out of there. Yeah, I'm thinking that's the way to. I'm thinking that's how Usman wins. If I'm leaning towards the direction, so I also think you got to think if you're Usman, that's a smart game plan because, literally, more due to COVID nineteen, Masvidal is going to have his main corner there. So there's not going to be a lot of instruction on how you make adjustments when you're in those positions on the ground. You know, someone yelling him that he's comfortable with that he's used to all the time. So I'm looking at like, mm-hmm. hey, if I'm Usman. Hey, it's going to be – it's Russell City come this Saturday. Like, I don't care if you get mad at me. Dana White can throw a tantrum afterwards and talk about it's the most boring fight in the world. Your 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 value goes where that title goes. So, I'm if I'm Usman, I'm doing the safe route this week. No, I agree. It's what he does best. And you know what? If you want someone to just knock people out, then you got to find someone who can do that and beat him. But until then, he wins however he wants to win. And as, like, as long as he has the belt, he has the paycheck. So you protect that belt with everything you got. If you got to wrestle and make it boring, wrestle and make it boring. Yeah, I think that's what we'll get. But like I said, never a boring time. And down goes Frazier when Kel Dansby joins us. Make sure you check him out at ESPN Ringside in the Corner Podcast. And on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle for the people out there? On all social media, you can find me at Kel Dansby, real name, no gimmicks, K-E-L-D-A-N-S-B-Y. So make sure you check him out. Kel, always a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. 
back rolling here on Down Goes Frazier. Happy, and we lost Jeremy somewhere along the way. Hopefully we'll be able to pick him back up later in the show. But I do, I am happy to pick up our next guest. Uh, you know, I know some of you guys are listening to Down Goes Frazier for the first time in this new format here with R19 and a lot of other publications, a lot of other streams you can hear us on now with iTunes, with Stitcher, with all those different platforms you can get us at now on Down Goes Frazier. But one of the guests we had on quite a bit and talked to him about, you know, whether it's blues hockey, whether it's, um, you know, pro wrestling in general, the Mount Rushmore referees. I've seen someone do that recently, a pro wrestling referees. And I was like, we did that here first on Down Goes Frazier um, with our next guest. And then it's none other than Impact Senior Official, Impact Wrestling Senior Official, Brandon Toll joins us here on the show. Brandon, a pleasure having you on today. Good seeing you, buddy. Good talking to you. I know, I know the last few times we were, uh, we were all together, uh, the last few times I was in. So, And I will correct up front, um, I'm not the senior official at Impact Wrestling. I, have not, I do not have that title. I'm just a regular official. So, That was me uh, subconsciously campaigning for you, I guess. That's what it was. That uh, was my I got fault. you on that. That yeah. was my fault. No, no, no. <laughs> You're good, man. Yeah. yeah it's, it's weird, man. Normally, normally you and I, we're, we're, uh, we're sitting in a studio together, uh, normally uh, talking it up when we've come on before. So we're, uh, we're in this, uh, this new normal now. So it's good. it's good to hear your voice. Good to hear you. Hope, uh, hope you and your family are definitely. We're staying healthy, staying well, and I know Impact Wrestling has Slam Anniversary coming up, and we're getting into a lot of that. But you mentioned it kind of this is a new normal, new things going on, you know, kind of just in a nutshell. How's it been like, you know, just for you adjusting to pro wrestling without fans, without things, and you know, without a crowd? Without how's that been for you and everybody else in the industry so far in Impact? It's probably one of the most unique experiences uh, I've ever encountered. Cause I mean, and obviously you come up on the Indies and you're going to do shows that have, you know, load drawing attendance. That's just the way it is at some places, you know what I mean? Um, but to go into an environment that is just quiet, uh, just no fans whatsoever. It was definitely when we first started doing those shows in early April, uh, it was a definite adjustment. Um, and it took a while to get to, it, but once you kind of get into it, uh, you almost kind of forget that there's no fans there, you know, because I mean, when I'm in the ring and I'm looking, I'm not focusing, like I obviously you can hear the fans, but for me, you can hear them, but I'm, I'm also focusing on what's going on in front of me, you know, when I'm, when I'm officiating a match. So it almost becomes a, it becomes a little secondary. And it took a while to get, get used to it, but I mean, we're used to it now and, we're able to continue to bring uh, new content uh, on a weekly basis on access. Um, and it's uh, just something you just kind of get forced to get used to. And hopefully sooner rather than later at some point, um, don't know when, but we'll be back in front of, front of the fans and live crowds again. I mean, you know, I was looking forward to lockdown, you know, and, and the TNA, uh, the TNA uh, uh, event we were going to do in, uh, in Tampa and none of that happened. And, yeah, so it, it it was very unique, um, but you know you get used to it after a little bit, and then you just you know just kind of go with it. You know, I'm I'm fortunate in, in the fact that I'm I'm able to to still be able to continue to get in the ring um, on the limited basis that I am um, with Impact. Um, 
when we've been producing our television, because uh, I know there's a lot of people in, in the industry that aren't in a ring and haven't been in a ring since early March. So I'm fortunate in that aspect, and I, I will take, take the new normal and we'll run with it because health and safety is paramount, you know, Definitely. above all. Definitely in this time period, making sure everybody's staying up and up and keeping track there. But I know it's got to be a little difficult. And, you know, another thing we talk about, kind of this new normal, maybe some of the things that have happened as a result of, you know, COVID-19. And I go back to, um, you know, Russell, it was around, I'm bad with years. My years go to, like, which manias it is, so forgive me. Uh, WrestleMania 33. Uh, it was in Orlando, and I remember okay. sending an email out. I said, you know, I'm going to go down here, and I'm going to do some work. I'm going to do more than the WWE, cover more than the WWE events this year. I was like, I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to do more than Mania, and I sent that email to the Evolve website, the More Than Mania website, and I got a response back, and it was, you know, I'm also a blues fan. You know, and it was you, you know, basically like, hey, how can, it, you know, how can we help you get set up and, you know, get set up at the Evolve events? And I remember that kind of changed my whole way of I looked at the whole Mania experience and that time period of, like, it's more just like it, it literally was more than Mania, more things going on. So I appreciate you for reaching out. And I, and I just think of, like, you know, going to these Evolve events, and when I see that Evolve is no more, and I'm thinking of just the memories I have from just the three years of going to the events during Mania, and I'm like, man, you were there for 10-plus years as a part of that organization. Not 10 I was close. It was it was about eight okay. uh, by the time it was all said and done between Evolve and uh, Dragon Gate USA uh, when we had the Dragon Gate partnership with Japan. So yeah, it was it was about eight years uh, that I was there, and it's uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's amazing how time flies sometimes. But um, no, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So what what, what was what, no, what was your what was your question with Evolve? I'm, I'm just curious. What, is, what are some of the memories when you think about the time you spent with Evolve? Um, you know, whether it's matches, whether it's you know personal milestones for yourself. What are some things that you kind of reflected back from that run of just being there and being a part of? It? I remember. Uh, I think for me, a lot of the overarch the overarching uh, memories I have with Evolve is watching the company grow to where it did. Um, because I started my, my first Evolve was Evolve 11 back in 2012, I think it was 2012. Yeah, it was right after WrestleMania Miami weekend. Uh, it was like two weeks after it was my first Evolve up in Toronto. And I remember a lot of those early shows when the promotion was just starting to get some wheels and starting to get moving and, you know, the, the, the draws weren't great. And, I, and just watching the company um, grow and watching the company and watching the brand grow and continue to grow and continue to grow and get some wheels. And then, uh, in, in comes the, um, the relationship with WWE, you know, in, in its infancy, uh, before the network, before any of that, I'm talking when, you know, we would get, um, a special appearance. I like, I think I remember Sami Zayn came to one. Um, and I, and a lot of people thought just worlds had ended, that, you know, we were getting an NXT guy to show up on an Evolve show, um, not for the IPAP, but for the live crowd. Uh, and we thought that was world's ending. And then fast forward, uh, you know, to Rumble Orlando weekend when we actually had Triple H backstage at an Evolve show. You know, I, I, just, I was like, okay, anything's possible at this point. Like, that blew my mind. 
and actually seeing him come backstage, come around, shake everybody's hand, mine included. And, you know, I, I did the opener of that, that evolved show knowing, and I could see right over off the peripheral in the corner, I could see the a little piece of the curtain open. Cause there's that picture that Gabe had up for a long time of him and Hunter looking through the curtain and that center of the curtain is me in the ring. So knowing that he was watching it, I thought the world I was like, okay, anything's possible now. Cause I never thought that was the thing. And then all the way up to the network and uh, the, the 10th anniversary special last year. It, it, it said just to watch, see how it grew um, up until uh, when I, uh, you know, through, through all the way through my last dates last year with the company. Um, the matches, uh, there, there's no way for, I mean, we could spend hours going through the matches that I did, cause, you know, given the fact, I think I did the math, and I think like 127 of all events oh, in the wow. numbers that I that I'd done over 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 the years I'd been there. So you're looking, I, I mean, I think their last one was like 143. So I think it was probably like 85 to 90 percent of the evolve events I was on. So we could spend hours talking about them. Um, ones that are were lesser seen in the early days, up through you know, up through when I left, we, we could talk forever on that. I, you know, I compiled a multiple page list of matches that I thought were great. Um, and that, you know, so I, I hope that, that the uh, Evolve and the Dragon Gate library or the Evolve library, because I don't know if Dragon Gate was a part of that. I don't think so, but uh, I hope the Evolve library gets a, uh, gets uh, sees the light of day eventually because there is definitely a lot in that library that i think fans that a lot of people that probably never watched evolve heard of it never watched the promotion get a chance to see you know especially with the the number of guys that have passed through evolve or how they had small stints long stints or whatever that are now on wb on wb tv um get to see the body of work prior to that um yeah it was had some great times there. I mean, you know, obviously doing the network, uh, main event in the net on the network last summer uh, for the NXT Championship. Um, to my knowledge, I'm the only uh, I'm the only non-contracted WWE or non-contracted referee to officiate uh, uh, an NXT Championship match. To my knowledge, um, so uh, Evolve gave me a lot of good opportunities. Uh, to work with some of the best in the world, whether they're with WWE, whether they're not, um, uh, just on some great platforms and some great memories. So uh, I'm sad that the company, the company's folded. Um, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, nobody predicted Corona and COVID and what we'd be doing right now. But um, you know, it, it was a, uh, it was many good times there. You know, so I, I hope that library sees the light of day at some point. I do too. I'm glad that you know they, that you know it was a big part of wrestling. I remember my first times going to events there, and you know working with you there, and I know Trevin and Gabe, and um, you know definitely some good times, good memories just from those Mania weekends. But I know you have a lot from, you know things that you guys that you did with them too, uh, back and back during those times. I've never been. I've never been to a WrestleMania weekend before working for Evolve in Dragon Gate. I've never been. Because so, it, it was, it only had become a thing in the year in, a, in the two or three years before I went there. I started there, um, I, or maybe a few years, maybe three, four, five. I mean, I think it really started exploding a couple of years before I started. So I'd never been to a WrestleMania weekend like that uh, before I started. So and it got to the point where it just became part of the regular schedule. I don't want to say the, the the allure, you know, or the shine was off of it. 
I mean, it was a little bit in the fact that, because I, I think I, I've done eight of them by the, by the time we did the last one last year. It was eight WrestleMania weekends in a row I had done. Um, and uh, it, uh, it just became part of the regular schedule at that point. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's sad to see. I mean, because obviously the more, the, more, you know, the more places, I mean, it's just good for business to have healthy places running. So it's sad in that aspect and the guys that were on the roster at the, when everything went down, you know, um, yeah. So good memories. Um, I, you know, uh, evolved as an integral part of getting me to, uh, of, uh, I won't say getting me to, I don't think that's, I think it's a poor choice, uh, poor choice of words, but evolve definitely was a player in terms of obviously the, probably the largest part of my career, about half of my career was with them. But, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. And obviously uh, the place that I'm now, um, I would like to think that Evolve, uh, you know, was part of that, part of the, uh, part of the journey to get to where I am now with Impact. Um, and uh, I have a lot of, a lot of fondness for the company, uh, for Silent Gate, for Silent Gate giving me the opportunity uh, that they did many years ago and sticking with me and giving me a home for, for eight years and, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative. I'm thankful. You know, we left on great terms and, you know, uh, but it, it, I hope the, the library gets a light of day. I got a feeling it will hopefully, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm optimistic in that aspect, but, um, you know, it, it, it's sad, you know, it, it, it's sad. What can we say? You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of great matches there and a lot of great talent to come through there. And one guy, and when I think of my, uh, you know, looking back at Evolve moments and kind of when you look ahead to Slammiversary this weekend, um, the one thing I always look forward, look back at is my very first event, and I think I went to, and it was um, Dar- Darby Allen versus Ethan Page, and uh, Ethan almost threw Darby into me while I was sitting there taking notes for the event. Um, I always remember that because I just seen a flying body hurling my way as I tried to move my laptop uh, to safer grounds, and now you see Ethan and and Josh Alexander, the North, and they have one of the longest reigns in Impact Wrestling history is tag amps. Not and, one of. Not, oh, the, not the one longest of. Are, now, they, they, yeah, yeah. They, they, trust me, uh, Ethan, if Ethan hears this, he, he will absolutely say something. So, yeah, we got to be correct. They are fish, They are the longest um, reigning uh, Impact Tag Team Champions in history in, in one reign. Not I think in one reign. Uh, they passed, um, uh, I think the team they had was uh, America's Most Wanted, um, James Storm and uh, Chris Harris. And that was sometime, I think it was late February, if I'm not oh, yeah. mistaken, was when they officially had broken record for the longest uh, longest one reign as Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Champions in history. So, yeah, Ethan, um, they're on a tear, man, but, you know, they yeah. they potentially may have bitten off more than they can chew with what's coming up uh, next weekend, next Saturday night for them at Slammiversary. Oh, yeah, and I know Jeremy, if he was on the line and talking right now, he'd be excited about this because one of his personal favorites, Ken Shamrock, is involved in this match. I also, I'm also happy, too, because Ethan threw a, a whole human being at me one time, and I'm still holding a grudge, so hopefully Ken gets, you know, they get their comeuppance there a little bit. But I'm looking forward to that match and a list of others. What are some of the matches, I guess, or what is a match that you hope that, you know, you get your you get called to be an official for because just being a part of that at the anniversary event. I think a match that I I I have high expectations for. I don't want to say necessarily get because I I don't know what I was 
Yeah, we've talked about before. I don't know what, what I'm going to be assigned until we get there. Uh, one match I think that is going to impress um, is for the X Division Championship. Uh, I think uh, Chris Bay challenging uh, Willie Mack for the X Division Championship. Uh, they're both wildly talented individuals. Um, and I, I honestly think that that, is, that that match could very well steal the show. Because we have a very stacked and we have a very very stacked card there first night anniversary next Saturday night, and uh, I would be remiss to say that that match is going to get lost in the shuffle because I just think that match uh, has the potential to steal the show. Yeah, I mean you got a lot of potential show stealing matches on this card. I mean from that one, a lot of you know you got Moose who I, is one of my personal favorites watching right now against Tommy Dreamer. Um, can keep going down a car, but I, I, I'd be, I, oh, what you give me that ad for? What you, what you? Well, I'll say ad because <laughs> once again, uh, you know, Moose Cricket, but for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, um, you know, Moose has been very adamant as we have, as we have seen on television, um, you know, claiming that he is the uh, the the wall champion, um, being the and you know being the TNA World Heavyweight Champion, so. Um, yeah, <laughs> he, he he would take issue if we if we didn't make sure that we we mentioned the fact that he uh, is the current holder of the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. He is a, he's a current holder, and I mean I I, I feel bad for me. I, I you know Moose, like I said, one of my personal favorites. Watching him right now, and it really, um, I know we we talked about Evolve, but pun on what not intentional pun on words, but just seeing how he's grown, and you know from looking in the back at the. You know, he's mentioned another promotion, the Ring of Honor days, to now, and to see how he's just become more in his own has been really fascinating to see. Yeah, but he has created uh, he's created a massive issue with Tommy Dreamer, and Tommy uh, has said on TV, uh, you know, has gone after uh, uh, has given his opinion of what he thinks of Moose, um, and uh, not. <laughs> not favorable to say the least uh it was tom tommy's opinion and so uh they're gonna settle that issue uh next saturday night so uh this is you know this has got his work cut out for him so tommy's a veteran in every sense of the word so he's got a tall order ahead of him yes i know i'm definitely looking forward to that match and a lot of others on say july 18th it's live on pay-per-view that's impact slammiversary and i if i i would not be doing my journal duties. If I did not ask you a tough question here, Brandon Toll, I know we're buddies, okay. but I got to, or else people will hold my feet to the fire and say I let you off the hook. So there is, you know, you mentioned the the, the TNA uh, heavyweight title that Moose that Moose claims. Also, in the world title match, you got Eddie Edwards, Ace Austin, Trey Miguel. And a mystery opponent. So, for the Impact World Championship, do you have any clues, thoughts, small hints? I don't even give you ask for a full name of who that mystery opponent can be. We've seen the vignettes. We've seen everything. Anything you want to give us there? You know, like a friendly, friendly hint. You know, friend of the show hint. I genuinely have no idea. Genuinely have no idea what's going on uh, behind the scenes. Uh, you know, you guys are seeing it just as I'm seeing it uh, every Tuesday night. So I will not know until everyone else knows. 
So we uh, we will all find out together next Saturday night who that Mr. Person is in the uh, the four way for the uh, the Impact World Championship. Um, it is an absolute wild card. I mean, you know, we we saw the, the video package last night on on Access uh, with Trey and Ace and Eddie Edwards talking about uh, you know whether they feel that a mystery opponent uh, you know changes their their mindset or their game plan going into this match, um, and you know. It seems that none of them are really, uh, none of them are really worried. I don't want to say worried, but none of them are really focusing on that in a large part. They're all staking their claim as to why they, the three of them, each one of them feels why they should be the Impact World Champion. Uh, but we will all find out together. I, I am completely clueless, just like everybody else. We've all seen the fact, we've seen the video, we've seen uh, the names that are the pictures that they are putting on those videos, um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm just as clueless as everybody else. So we will all find out together. You you will be surprised just as much as I will be surprised when we see uh, who that is. Yeah, I'm very curious. I said, I'm curious and excited about this card. You guys have at Impact Wrestling have really done a great job of giving fans a lot to look forward to with Slim Wrestling on July 18th. And you added something else that's kind of different. We talk about the new normal. We talk about some things that are, um, you know, that are not the same. You know, no fans in the crowd, no other certain things going on with pro wrestling right now but you guys have figured out a way for your big event to keep the fans make kind of like an interactive way for fans to be involved and that's the anniversary celebration tell me a little bit about that yeah the, the announcement was made uh yesterday um on social media uh the for the anniversary celebration it's a basically it's a interactive virtual fan fest that we're going to be hosting um it's going to be on Saturday morning, so July 18th, same day as Slammiversary in the evening. But it'll be Saturday morning starting at 10 a.m. Central Time, and it'll be some venue of Slammiversary. So to put it just into, into short words, uh, Josh Matthews in Madison Rain will be hosting the Slammiversary celebration. Um, it will be held on Zoom. Uh, basically, it'll give fans the opportunity to ask questions directly to some of their favorite Impact stars. Uh, and you know, you, everybody will be able to interact from the comfort of your mobile device or your computer via Zoom. Uh, basically, uh, the fans uh, will get to participate in a unique interactive elements, uh, including trivia contests. And everyone who registers uh, will score numerous prizes for attending. So obviously, uh, you know, especially uh, you know, there may be some potential. Uh, last minute news or anything like that, you know, they may get the scoop if any potential last minute news or anything going into Slammiversary because it'll be day of at the venue. So basically fans around the world can participate once again via Zoom from the comfort of your home, your mobile device, your computer. Uh, registration for it is now open at impactwrestling.com. Uh, some of the perks that are involved with it is, uh, you know, says uh, participating fans uh, will receive numerous perks such as uh, the official Slammiversary t-shirt, uh, $25 gift certificate to shopimpact.com, autographed photos, a personal cameo-style video message from an Impact star, and the first 50 fans to register will also receive a free three-month subscription to Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So registration for this is open at impactwrestling.com, and they will have the, the opportunity to join in in a, a virtual fan fest uh, next Saturday morning, uh, July 18th. Media can register too and be eligible for these prizes, right? Uh, you may have to talk to uh, talk to the, talk to those at Impact about that. Oh, yeah, call Ross. See what's going on here. 
<laughs> trying to make sure I'm eligible for these <laughs> for these things going on. But that's definitely be a lot of fun. And kudos to kudos to you guys again for thinking of a creative way to keep fans involved in this new era of how we're doing, having to do things where they can still be a part of like some fan activities ahead of the event. So you definitely looking forward to that. Looking forward to anniversary as a whole. Uh, but before I let you go, Brandon, I got to ask you another question. How badly do you miss St. Louis Blues hockey right now? More than I can put into words. I miss sports in general, and honestly, you know, we're seeing uh, we're seeing everything starting to come back to uh, starting to come back to life. I know uh, MLS starts uh, their uh, back to play uh, tournament uh, with the group play tonight. Uh, I'm an FC Cincinnati supporter, so they're they're involved in the tournament. Uh, I've been watching the Premier League. Uh, I'm a Liverpool supporter with them uh, locking up the, uh, the Premier League Championship for the first time in 30 years. So I've been watching that. I was watching the Liverpool game uh, this afternoon before we uh, we started uh, we started doing the interview here. Um, so I'm 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 hopeful. You know, obviously there's been some issues with uh, with like FC Dallas got removed from the tournament uh, because of uh, issues with uh, numerous people in their organization uh, testing positive for COVID, uh, and then baseball. Um, being behind and hockey seems to have their act together. The NHL, my opinion, the NHL that they're acting in a very effective and um, a very effective and very poised manner. And I think that gets lost in a lot of this, Um, you know, because I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you and I are both baseball fans as well. And, Mm. you know, uh, there's been a lot of uh, backlash towards, uh, towards the owners of MLB because of all the negotiation, everything they had to go through just to get to where we are now. Whereas, you know, they could have started, you know, we could be in a regular season at this point. Um, So I I give a lot of credit to the NHL um, and the players association, not only for getting a deal done to get back to finish the, the, to finish the season and go right into the playoffs, but also they're negotiating the CBA at the same time. So now I to get that done, get everything they need to get the restart done and negotiate a new CV, an extension on the CBA. My hats off to the NHL and the NHLPA. Uh, they're doing it right. They're doing doing it methodically, uh, with player safety in mind, uh, everybody involved. And uh, I'm looking forward to the restart and the Blues defending their uh, defending their cup uh, coming up here. Hopefully, I think what's at the end of this month or early next month. Am I am I right with that? Yeah, what's when the restart 1st. is August first is what we're looking at here. So. Yeah, so I'm 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 excited. You know, um, you know, the Blues were already in a good position. They were top of the Western Conference uh, when everything stopped, um, and that was without Vladimir Tarasenko. And not only is Tarasenko coming back, Tarasenko was going to be healthy. I think he was a couple of weeks away from coming back. Um, I think that was the earliest of his window, right before the before the stoppage. But not only is he going to be healthy, he's had an extra three months plus to sit and rest and continue the rehab and continue strengthening that shoulder after the rotator cuff surgery. So we're going to have a 100% Vladimir Tarasenko coming back. Um, you know, it, anything can happen. You know, all bets are off at this point, you know, because everybody's basically going to be healthy for the most part. Uh, you know, once we get this restarted, but, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm anxious for the Blues to get back. Defend that championship. See if we can win another. See if we can get a get another cup. I've not said much about that since they won it because I didn't want to jinx it. You know, we don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, especially with the fact that we just won our first one. But they're in a prime position to do so. Um, I, I think they have just as fair of a chance uh, as anybody else as they're coming back with this. So uh, I'm looking forward to everything restarting because that, that kind of gives us all. Um, 
I don't want to say a feeling of normalcy because things aren't normal still, you know, in, in almost every way of life. But it gives you, it gives all of us that, that, uh, that escape, basically that, that escape that, Hey, something we used to like or that we miss is coming back, uh, with the playoffs coming back. So I'm, I'm excited and, uh, you know, I'm going to be tuning in just like everybody else. Well, so have they announced that? Maybe you can question this. Have they announced the, the two cities, the two hub cities? Edmonton and Toronto, they're going up north. Makes sense. Yeah, I Makes mean, sense. with everything going on, yeah, they make it. When they list those, you know, the possible hub cities when they're down to the Final Four, I'm like, if I'm a smart person who listens to science and medical stuff that's going on, I'm going to probably take Edmonton Toronto. Just, just for yeah, the sake yeah. of, so that makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that totally makes sense of doing, doing, making both the cities up north, uh, north of the border, uh, given especially what's going on down here in the states right now. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the return to sports in general. Um, obviously, we've never seen anything like this ever. So we're all experiencing this for the first time, and uh, it'll be nice to see uh, the boys in blue back on the ice. Uh, in a t- in a part of the year that I don't think we've ever seen them on the ice for, or we've never seen meaningful hockey in, no, in August. No, no, you were so, usually thinking about baseball and the start of football camps by then. But now we'll, we'll that, get yep. we're gonna get all of it at one time. It's gonna be great. It, we're gonna be overloaded. My uh, my wife has been uh, uh, has been happy that there really hasn't been many sports the past few months. I'm not trying to knock on her, but um, you know when I'm home if there's sports of any sort on TV I'm normally watching. So the, the lack of it for the past few months has been, been nice, man. But yeah, we're, we're going to start ramping up and, you know, I mean, think we, we get into August, September, we're going to have, we could, well, September, hope maybe uh, depending on how quick the, the schedule is for the Stanley cup playoffs, we could potentially have LF, uh, NHL, MLB and uh, college football rolling at the same time. Oh yeah, like I said, we're gonna, we're gonna. So okay, like I found a lot of things to watch Netflix wise and series. I probably want like grocery games has been my new thing with Guy Fieri. Um, <laughs> so so what what kind of what kind of garbage TV or it doesn't have to be garbage. What what, what TV have you been watching to fill these gaps? I'm curious. Honestly, I haven't really been watching. I say garbage TV. I picked up. Um, uh, I'm watching. Um, I, I'm, I like stand up comedy. So uh, I picked up uh, last week tonight with John Oliver on HBO. Has been uh, my new weekly. It's not it hasn't been this week because of the holiday, yeah. but uh, I started watching that. And then uh, my wife and I got uh, we we did a trial run of it's uh, called BritBox through Amazon Prime, and it's basically all the shit around the BBC over in the UK. Okay. And so there's one there that's called Mock the Week. Um, it's basically um, do you remember the show? Um, uh, whose line is it anyway with your carry when I was yeah. on here in the States? Yeah, Wayne Brady it's and kind of, Yeah, it's kind of like that a little bit, but it's more topical to what's going on in current events news wise and in, in general within the world, or at least within over the UK. Um so I started watching uh, a couple seasons of that. Um and it's all British comedians. So then from there it's been delving and trying to find specials. Um, you know, from there. So that, that was really kind of what I delved into a little bit of last week tonight. Um, started watching, uh, mock the week on BritBox. 
Uh, and then honestly, I've been going back and just, I mean, until we got the premier league and the Bundesliga started a month ago, I, I was watching a lot of the, the past games, probably like most oh, everyone wow. else was. I mean, when they, when, yeah. when Midwest, uh, when Midwest, uh, re, uh, basically did replays of, you know, the majority of the playoff from last year for the blues and, uh, you know, MLB, especially around opening day in April, they were doing a lot of games. Um, and I have an MLB TV subscription, so I was getting into a lot of, they were replaying a lot of red games for me. Um, so hopefully, yeah, I'll get that back, uh, with the restart. So I was going and delving into a little bit of old, old uh, some of some re, just some replays and stuff just for the feel good. You know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. with the blues winning the cup, you get that feel good, just, you know, with it being a year, it's hard to believe it's been a year since the Blues won the Cup. Uh, but as, and so it was nice to go back and kind of relive those feel-good moments um, of where we were a year ago when all that was going on. So, but yeah, I just want stand-up comedy. And then me just delving into old wrestling just because, I mean, I'm a podcast guy. So, I mean, I have uh, Conrad Thompson's late of podcasts uh, that I listen to. Mm. Um, you know, I'm a subscriber to adfreeshows.com and I listen to the whole slate. So, you know, so that kind of gets me into a little bit of a wormhole where I may go back and watch an old, uh, an old pay-per-view or something based on what they're talking about. Uh, kind of dig into a little bit of a wormhole there. So, but honestly, just been outside of that. I mean, I'm just into a routine. I'm, I'm, I'm working out at home. I haven't gone back to a gym yet. I, uh, had about half of a home gym right before everything went into lockdown. So I, uh, I uh, was fortunate enough to get out and get what I needed before everybody started making a run on home fitness equipment. Um, yeah, so I have a home gym. You could. <laughs> I had some already. I just had to get a few little pieces left. So I have a, I have a pretty much a complete home gym for everything that I need. So I do a lot. I have a, I have a just over one year old uh, pit bull terrier. Her name is Abby Road. Uh, we got her the, oh. we got her the day of the parade last year, uh, the day of the cup parade. Uh, um, my wife and I adopted her. Uh, from a rescue um, out here, West. and uh, so uh, so my routine consists of basically being a puppy daddy during the day, taking a lot of walks with her, and then just training. I'm, I'm training training my rear end off, uh, just uh, not sort of not gaining any COVID weight or anything. Just trying to continue and push through and push on. Uh, so basically, my days are that that with uh, with training and spending time with. Uh, with my puppy and then uh, getting in the evenings, then getting in brick box and all that. So what, what have you been getting into? Uh, like I said, just a lot of like, like I mentioned a lot of TV shows, bicycling. Um, and I'm going to stick to bicycling because a couple weeks ago, and it's not as bad. So I feel tell- bad telling like any, any pro wrestlers going to be like, that's a minor injury. They thought I had tore my Achilles, Brandon. They thought my Achilles was done, but it turned out to be my soleus. So now I'm on the, the recovery path. A torn soleus is much is less worse. Like Achilles is, you're done. The soleus is connected yeah. to the Achilles, which hence okay. why I thought I tore that at first, the first part. And that's only a six weeks physical therapy. I can skip surgery, none of that. So I'm happy about that. So I'm able to start getting some activities back in. But a lot of at home juggling this COVID thing and juggling with, you know, kids at home and the three-year-old, you got to keep entertained at all times. Um, I've seen enough Ryan's world to last me a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, um, it's so, uh, this is so unique. I, I can say no, uh, from my personal experience. I mean, I've been, I've been doing professional wrestling for my entire adult life. So we're looking at, I mean, uh, started 18, I'll be 35, uh, in a cut within in a couple of weeks. 
So you're looking at, you know, what's 16, almost 17 full years. And I've never been home as much in one, in one stint than I have been um, over the past three, three and a half months. But uh, it's, it's been nice, you know, you know, being home or being able to a little more, pick up a little bit of green thumb uh, around the house, picking up the around the house projects, getting into a lot of projects that I wouldn't have time to get into because I would always be on the road. Um, especially over the past couple of years when my schedule was way more, uh, way, way many more dates, way more days away from home than in recent years. So getting into a lot of projects I wouldn't normally get into uh, around the house and just working and just being home, uh, you know, and then just prepping for when, uh, when I do go. So like, you know, uh, leaving next week for, uh, for Slammiversary and uh, enjoying that time on the time away and then just coming right back home. And that's what we're definitely looking forward to, you know, seeing you in a ring at Slammiversary, con action. Don't don't get yourself into any trouble. Don't get beat up by any wrestlers while you're doing it. But we just want to see you no, con no, action. <laughs> we just want to make sure, yeah, you know. I know sometimes they like to roughhouse you. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be the most unique Slammiversary of, of all time coming up uh, next Saturday night. So given the situation that we're in right now, but uh, Impact has done a fantastic job of looking out for – for the entire roster in terms of our health and safety uh, when it comes to being able to do this. So, and, and we're happy to be able to continue to put out content uh, to, to the fans, um, you know, the fans that have been with us step to step supporting what we're doing. So we are, we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Slammiversary next Saturday night on pay-per-view and on fight TV. Um, you know, th- things are going to change as, as it's been saying in those video packages, things are going to change. Uh, and we're all going to find out together how things are going to change once we get to uh, once we get to and we get through Slammiversary next weekend. Here he is dropping those teasers that you know we're we're all anxious to see what happens next week at Slammiversary. But if you haven't been watching Impact Wrestling lately, if you've been watching, you know it's a great product. My son, who's three, I'm getting him into. Um, you know, I, I'm brainwashing him to being a wrestling fan pretty much. So we watch, you know, everything we can and impact. The guy that sticks out to him all the time is AC because I guess he's so big and he's like, man, you know, so he knows him by name and he knows he, he can call him out and see him. But we watch on Tuesdays, 8 to eight seven or 7 Central here where we're at in St. Louis. That's on Access on Twitch. So make sure you're check, catch, catching Impact Wrestling during those time periods and make sure you order the pay-per-view here on Saturday, July 18th. You'll see all those great matches we talked about. You'll find out who the mystery guy is, like myself, at the same well, time as myself they, and Brandy. They, what was it? They said it last night. They said it last night. It was in that video package last night oh, yeah. um, at the end of uh, Empire. Is they. So it ain't just one person. So we'll find out who they are next Saturday night at Slammiversary. So Slammiversary, we got the Slammiversary celebration, and then Impact uh, every Tuesday night coming up afterwards. So make sure you check them out. Brandon, always a pleasure talking to you. Good talking to you, buddy. Thanks to Brandon Toll for joining us today. Always fun talking with him. And thanks to Kale Dansby for joining us early in the show and, you know, talking about the USC 251 this weekend. Also, a lot of things going on in boxing and all this stuff with ESPN ringside. So make sure you stay tuned for all that. And also for Slammiversary on July 18th. And along the way, because I think he's along his way on on the road. We lost Jeremy Johnson, but I think we have found him. I think we have. Now, hang on. Uh, hang on. I think 
that just because I wanted to ask Brandon Toll some of the hard questions that are out there at the moment that maybe didn't get asked, I think that was, was there the powers that be cut me off, Jason? Is yeah, this man. what happened? I don't, I don't know, man. But it might be a good. It may, it may have been a good idea. Maybe we lucked out there. Maybe we, maybe we, maybe we, maybe we lucked out on that one. Quote unquote, favorite wrestler ran into some issues. We may have talked about it on the last show, but I wanted to ask some questions and I didn't get to. I know, man. <sighs> but someone, it, it, someone, I, someone knew better. Someone in Indiana. Uh, along your way of your drive, say, hey, let's pull his mic right now. Let's cut him off. Keep him out of trouble. Keep Brandon out of trouble. Keep everybody happy. So uh, this, It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. And you want to talk about conspiracies, though. All right. Did you see the video of Mike Perry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we... we I mean, he is my new favorite conspiracy theorist, period. Plus, he doesn't like taxes, which we all don't. But that man got into it with his coach-slash-girlfriend, and the next thing you know, some old dude comes stepping up on him, and Mike Perry had to take care of business. See, here's the thing, Jeremy. I was – I hate saying this because it's not like him getting involved with his girlfriend at the restaurant, not okay with it. Being at the old coach, man, amazing corner. She cornered him. He won. Well, she guess she, she cornered him in this fight too. He's two and zero with her in his corner. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the beating you know up, that that has pissed off every fighter girlfriend out there who's like, well, why can't I corner you now? That chick did it. Come on. Oh, I can't wait to see how many corner uh, girlfriend corners you're gonna get this year. FC events when you guys start back up. I can't wait. <laughs> Jesse Finney's head is going to explode. Like, hey, I registered my girlfriend to corner me tonight. Only when it has a legit gripe, and I guess if they're competing at a Shamrock event, is maybe like if Danny Moriarty, because Tiffany, she does fight, so it makes sense. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> that's fair. That's that's a fair shot. So, yeah. But, uh, but Mike Perry, I mean, he laid old boy out. And, I mean, when I say old, he was old. Like, yeah. Now, what happens in this situation, though, because are we going to see Mike Perry out, which I could definitely see, but then we got Conor McGregor who did the same thing. John Jones hit a pregnant chick with a car and ran, and he's still there. So why we got to hate on Mike Perry? Here's our conspiracy, Jason. Oh, but there's, did, you, did you listen to this video with the audio on or off? Because that's, that's where people, the, the, the thing that kind of changes his whole perception of this video, uh, which makes it worse. Let's, let's put it this way. I mean, that's that's fair. Give him, <laughs> give him an example, Jason, of what was said. Um, after he decided to beat up the old man, um, which, you know, I was like, the old man came at Mike Perry. Let me put it this way. So I don't condone. I think Mike Perry could have handled it in a different way. But the old man stepped to him. So I'm kind of 50-50 on it. Like, old man, you knew you weren't going to beat up Mike Perry? Step away. Go do something else. But the video, after that, he's he's dropping some noticeable N-bombs everywhere. After that. And that's where I'm like, uh... I'm like, Mike Perry, you could have probably made some headway with this. And unfortunately, like we talked about with Jorge Masvidal, this, the image can get you into some title fights. 
You just want to fight with your girlfriend as your corner, which I mean, take it how you want it. It's you know that was that people talked about it. You made this promo about taxes that I was like, man, is Mike Perry running for president? I can kind of get down with there. this. Um, I was ready to vote. Right yeah. then and there. <laughs> I was like, man, I was like, anybody want to pick him for a VP or put him on the finance team? Something. Treasury? Uh, treasure? I'm like, we can have Mike Perry in here. But I'm like, then I'm like, oh, Mike, there's the, the, the dreaded. Because he's done this before. Because Mike Perry feels like he has the hood pass. He feels like these are things he can say because he has, I'm assuming he has a lot of black friends. But... I got I got a lot of black friends too, and there ain't no way on God's green earth that I'm gonna say that. Cause you know what, John, doesn't you have, matter. You have sense and and morals. <laughs> I was like, I, the morals part questionable, but no, the, the sense part will give you that one. But uh, you know, Mike Perry, not not so much. Not I was like, Mike, I I, I got past everything else you did, and I gave you, I forgave you. For the soon-to-be press release about how you felt bad for being an old man, how you know you shouldn't have yelled at your girlfriend in public like that. I was like, I'm sure Dana White was going to forgive you, maybe book you into a title fight here sooner than later. It was going to happen. You were on the UFC road to title fights. You, you, you get into a little controversy, win your last couple fights, you were good. Until afterward, you're sitting out there dropping, using the N-word repeatedly. I don't know how that's going to go in your favor. I really don't. Um, so that's kind of where he—that's where he lost me. That's where he really lost me on this whole brigade. I—I I am completely with you. But what about the right hand that laid out the old guy? That I mean, uh, you got to admit that no. was a stiff one. Oh, and like I, like I said, Jeremy, like people, you know, talk about standing your ground and doing. The old man charged at him, so I don't know what you wanted Mike Perry to do. He could have pushed the old man and be sidestepping, but the old man came at him. So I don't really know what, I mean, maybe he took some power off that right hand, but I don't know. <laughs> well, you're right, though. It, it didn't need to go down the, the way that it did. I was, I was in his corner up until then, but uh, uh, poor Mike Perry. I mean, but really, the one that I feel bad for, girlfriend slash coach, you know, she may never get another shot in the UFC with anybody else. I mean, who knows? Oh, she is. She's two and zero. Oh. She, she's getting that shot. Someone gonna call her up. She's cornered two. She's cornered two Mike Perry I victories. Mean, whether you like them or not, he won two fights with her standing right by his side. So let's I be mean, honest. She's got a better record right now than Jackson Winkle John does. So we're doing oh, good there. Oh, <laughs> ouch! I was like, yeah, he, fair point. So I'm just saying, like, hey. I, you, she's a, she's she's gonna be a good free agent. So don't surprise you see her at a Shamrock FC fight whenever you guys get back up and going. Someone might call her in to help out in the corner somewhere. Because I mean, God, you, you see, you know, I hope so. <laughs> I, I just want to I, I just want to call you and bug you and talk about. So what do you what do your notes say about this about the corner for this fighter? That's all I want to call you and bug you about that whole week. So that will be a fair one. That will be a fair one. No, it's oh, always goodness. always a good time. Glad we can finally get you back on the line here, even though it was at the end of the show. But good to have you back on here, and we'll be back with you every week here on Down Goes Frazier. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher, also on TuneIn, and soon to be on Spotify. So we're we're making our way to all the platforms. So make sure you catch us on one of those 
each week here for Down Goes Frazier. And of course, catch us on social media as well. Jeremy, how can they do that? You can find me at MMA Jeremy on Twitter and Jeremy J MMA on Instagram. So make sure you check them out. I know we have a Down Goes Frazier page too on Facebook and Instagram as well. Catch us there. Also on Twitter. And so we'll keep the conversation going with all things combat sports there. So I know we'll be talking a lot this weekend about Fight Island at U for UFC 251. Until next week, we'll catch you later.